Following Jesus is a supernatural business. It involves supernatural encounters with God, it involves being led by the supernatural voice of God, and it probably involves at least occasionally doing supernatural ministries like healing and deliverance. If we forget that, or we avoid it, we lose out on a lot. You're my God. You're 
Good morning and welcome. Would you pray with me? I'm going to start by reading out of Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God, we, uh, some of us in this time are experiencing this as kind of a void, like it feels dark. But we know that you have all kinds of things going on that we can't see yet. And we thank you for that. We thank you that uh, before there was even form, you just spoke and light came in, Lord. And we ask for light to come in today, that you would just roll on over each of us, even as we're watching this with your light and your hope and your presence, your very presence. And we pray for little glimpses, little flashes of uh, what you're up to. We pray for lights at the end of the tunnel for those who need it. We thank you that you are all powerful, that you know all things, that you see what's coming and you have plans for it. We thank you for that, God. We thank you also for the book of Acts and all the supernatural crazy things you, do, you did for those folks, Lord. And we ask for again, you do those things among us that we could see and taste uh, your supernatural ministry, your, your power encounters, your healing and restoration and your radical kindness. May we be that for one another. Thank you that you uh, indwell us and invite us to uh, participate with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Blue Water. Thank you for joining us this morning. We're gonna continue our worship with our offering uh, if you are new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give this morning, but do sign up for our newsletter. You do that by going to our website and entering your email address. Uh, that's how we'll keep in touch with you. If you are giving, you can do that in two ways. Just send your check to the office via post or you can give online. One announcement, in a couple of weeks, there is a conference coming up called What If? And it is on creativity. If you sign up before August 15th, you can get a discount. Um, I'm actually going to be participating and hosting uh, one group on drama. Uh, so I'll be there and it'll be a great time to get our creative juices flowing. Well, school is coming up in a couple of weeks, so we thought we'd check in with some families to see how they are preparing. Kids, are you getting ready for school? I need donuts. I really hope that we get to play sports in the fall because um, I haven't been able to really practice or play games, so I'm really excited about that and um, like playing with new people and new teams is really exciting to me and I really hope that we get to play. So uh, I'm moving out and I got an apartment with a friend of mine who's in Campus Crusade. Uh, I just registered for classes. I'm probably going to drop some of them and we shall see how it goes. What are you doing? I'm doing absolutely nothing. 
Thank you, families. Well, whether you are going back to school at home, online, on campus, or a hybrid, let's pray for you. Uh, kids, stand up. Oh, Father, we thank you for our children. We thank you for the summer in which they got to enjoy some time off. And Lord, we pray for this upcoming school season. Uh, in the midst of uncertainty, we are certain that you are here and you are present. So we bless their time with your love, Jesus, and we pray in your name, amen. So let's do a warm-up question uh, to get ourselves uh, in the mood. What's the most supernatural or mystical experience you've had on your spiritual journey? Think about that. And she could barely move, you know, just even use a bathroom, she would have to scoot on her bed. Anyway, so um, I went to pray with her and I was praying, when I was praying and I laid my hands on her, like she felt like incredible heat on her body. And then so as we kept praying and I was just calling a different, you know, um, praying over her and um, getting rid of certain spirits and stuff, like she started to move her whole body around, got out of bed, bend her legs, raised her arms. I mean, she wow. was like, you know, I was amazed. Like, oh my God, did I pray that? And then it just like, she started moving around. Two of us were praying for another woman. She had like bleeding for like so many months, like the lady in the Bible. She couldn't stop her bleeding. And then we prayed for her and um, we broke generational ties. She was tied to her family from, I think, some some other islands out of this country and then um the person i was praying with was a biology major so she was praying for all the systems in her body to jump into gear and everything and then the next day she stopped bleeding it was mystical to me because it happened over the phone i was uh, this was years ago i was surfing a lot and had gotten a neck injury from just paddling I guess and so I couldn't turn my neck for weeks and I was a nurse so I needed that mobility to take to go to work to take care of my patients and it really really bothered me for weeks and weeks and weeks finally um, a lady called my house she wanted to talk to my roommate but my roommate wasn't home so before she hung up she said is there anything I can pray for you Elizabeth and off the top of my head I said well, my my neck is really sore and I can't move it. And so she said, well, let me pray. And she, she prayed a really simple prayer. It wasn't that long. And immediately the pain was gone. Wow. And I just remember thinking, wow, God can heal over the phone. We're in the middle of a sermon series from the book of Acts. Every chapter of the book of Acts pretty much has a supernatural moment in it. Uh, we are this week in Acts chapter 19, uh, which is a chapter that's just filled with one supernatural account after another. As uh, chapter 19 opens, Paul uh, has arrived in a city called Ephesus. So basically he's left uh, the Greek peninsula and he's gone back toward Asia, Central Asia, in the area of Turkey. Um, Ephesus is a big city uh, known to Christians. There's been some Christian activity in the area already. Uh, Christianity has taken root in enough places 
that now there are Christians that Paul himself did not directly convert, uh, which must have been an entertaining experience for Paul. Christianity is starting to spread, and, uh, and this, is, uh, this is the account. Beginning in verse 1, uh, we will read down to about verse 20, uh, skipping a few verses in the middle. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, Well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Well, Paul explains the Jesus story a bit more fully to them. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. We've seen this before. There were about 12 men in all. The story goes on, picking it up in verse 11. Well, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. These are unbelieving Jews. They're religious Jews. They're sons of, of a, a chief Jewish priest, but they're not Christians. And they were doing this. They were trying to uh, involve themselves in supernatural ministry. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Great story. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, uh, which works out to about 140 years worth of annual salaries. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. That's the story, or that's a collection of stories. That's how the word of God spread through the region of Ephesus. What I appreciate about accounts of uh, supernatural things that, that I read in scripture isn't just uh, the, the amazing things that happen. What I appreciate about the accounts is that they teach things. You know, I, I try to pick up practical tips because uh, I myself have been involved in supernatural ministry for years and years now. So as I read these stories, I'm trying to learn something. I'm trying to learn something that I get to apply to my own life. So bear that in mind as we go through the accounts. The story opens, Paul has arrived in Ephesus. He meets some disciples, he meets some believers uh, who have been converted and discipled by someone else. Uh, uh, 
probably this guy named Apollos, uh, who was uh, a very young, super excited Christian who was traveling around doing ministry. Uh, he had not been educated in like the full facts of the gospel yet, but he was doing his doing his part. And so these guys uh, in Ephesus had become Christians, so to speak. They didn't quite know the full story and they hadn't quite had the full experience yet. Paul encounters them when he arrives in Ephesus and said, oh, you guys are disciples. But evidently there was something about the interaction that made Paul take a second look. And he said, hey, have you guys been baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's the first question he asked them. And then they said, "Uh, you haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? And Paul goes, aha, I knew something was off. And then you see Paul, you know, step them through um, proper baptism theology, gets them baptized, gets them filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and immediately they see some supernatural manifestations, they speak in tongues, they prophesy, and they're off and running. What fascinates me about that little account is... Paul's first question was about their experience. He felt like maybe something was a little off in their discipleship. And the first thing he asked wasn't, tell me about your theology. Tell me what you believe. The first thing he asked was, have you encountered the power of the Holy Spirit in your life yet? As if that was the main issue for him. And that just tells you a lot about how Paul saw things. Now, have you had an experience with God? He asked that before he says, tell me what you believe about God. I mean, you get it? That's a significant difference. And however Paul understood Christianity, however Paul understood the life, it was clear that a big priority for him was how people encountered the supernatural presence and power of God. That's what he led with. Paul was deeply concerned that new believers got supernatural experience and power. And I think he probably learned this from Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says uh, to his disciples, stay in Jerusalem. Don't leave yet. Don't try to spread the kingdom yet. Uh, For in a few days you'll receive the gift my Father promised. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and then you will receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said, First, you got to get powered up. And Paul evidently has taken that to heart. This is why the Holy Spirit uh, plays such a big role in, in the book of Acts. He's the one leading people through the expansion of the kingdom. He's the one determining uh, the pace of events. Well, it goes on to say in Ephesus that God did extraordinary miracles uh, through Paul. Which is an interesting phrase, don't you think? God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. As if normal miracles were not miraculous enough, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. And it got really weird. Paul would touch a a handkerchief, a piece of cloth or an apron, you know, something like that, and pass it around the city. And whoever touched the article that Paul touched would be healed. Whoever touched the article that Paul touch would be delivered of a demon, as if the demons were reacting to the scent of Paul, the Christian, on the piece of of cloth. And and that is rather extraordinary. Uh, But what I learned from the story is that sometimes there's variation, right? It's not just normal miracles, not just everyday miracles, but extraordinary miracles. Sometimes it's extra easy 
Sometimes it's extra hard. Sometimes miracles just flow extraordinarily. You know, sometimes you have to chip them out of stone. You see this a lot in scripture. Sometimes it's harder, sometimes it's easier for the practitioners of supernatural ministry. And for whatever reason in Ephesus, due to, I don't know, the faith environment, the mystical environment, or, or uh, the enthusiasm of those 12 men that Paul um, filled with the spirit at the outset. I don't know what it was, but miracles just started flowing, man. And it became an incredible season in Ephesus. Sometimes it's super easy. Sometimes the miraculous is super hard. But it's always time for miracles. And then we get to what is my favorite story in Acts chapter 19. It's actually one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament. It's the story of the seven sons of Sceva. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Uh, we find out that these Jews who were doing it were not Christians, um, but <clears throat> they wanted to get in on the act. They saw what Paul was doing, the effect <clears throat> that Paul was having, the gains that the Christians were making in the city of Ephesus. And so they thought, well, we need to get into this as well. So what they decided to do was they decided to mimic Paul. And they would come up to a person who was oppressed by a demon, perhaps sickened by a demon, and they would say what Paul said in the name of Jesus, because that worked for the Christians, right? So they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this were doing this. Evidently, they had been doing it for some time. They were going around, which indicates that the model worked a little bit for them. The conditions in Ephesus were such that the demons were freaked out. So if somebody walked in the room and said, in the name of Jesus, get out, they would just go because it was a bad season for them. And uh, the demons had been uh, quite terrorized by in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, but one day, the evil spirit answered them. This is a particularly clever demon who put two and two together, evidently. Jesus I know, and I know Paul, but who are you? Like, you guys, I don't think are on the rolls. I don't think you have the right to wield the name of the Lord Jesus. So I don't think I have to be freaked out by you. This demon figures it out for whatever reason. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. And he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding, which is a great story. We probably need to dramatize this at some point. I think probably Antonio needs to take the lead and he needs to be, you know, the guy who runs out of the house naked and bleeding. I think that would be a good role for you. But this is a story that comes like straight out of the Three Stooges, like any 10-year-old boy loves this story, right? Because there's, there's kind of a hilarity to it. Well, there's a, a serious lesson in there, which is like, it's not just the model you use. You can't just like use an incantation. In the name of Jesus, come out, and the demons have to leave. Like, it's not automatic like that. There's a little more to it. It turns out that there's a relational aspect to it, that we gain our supernatural power by our association with Jesus, not merely using the name of Jesus. One thing I learned from this story is the closer you are to the Lord, the more easily you flow in the power of the Lord. 
these guys were not close to Jesus. They were just using his name. And demons are stupid too. They can be fooled, but not every demon can be fooled. Um, and so, great story, great objects less, object lesson, the seven sons of Sceva. Well, when this became known uh, to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, it says. Uh, these supernatural uh, events were creating a buzz. And uh, this story of people getting beat up by a demoniac uh, really rattles the cages of, of many. The atmosphere of the church in Ephesus, the budding church, the building church, was so supernatural that people were sucked out of their normal frame of life. That's the indication. We call these sorts of seasons revivals or outpourings typically in church history. But everybody in Ephesus got sucked out of their normal frame of life, their natural frame of life. And they got sucked into a supernatural frame of life, a supernatural perspective. And it inspired fear in people. It inspired what I would call a healthy fear in some. There's only one kind of healthy fear in the universe, and it's fear of God. Fear is the most exclusive Christian virtue. You can be afraid of God, but you're not allowed to be afraid of anything else in all the world. That's how it is for us Christians. And even our fear of God is mediated by God's love for us. We know he's very loving, so it's not like we need to walk around petrified or something like that. We just need to be respectful. Well, people in Ephesus were seized with a healthy fear. It's like, oh my gosh, the world might be different than we thought it was. There might be a dominant spiritual power. There might be an entity. There might be a being that is spiritual and powerful and present. And we need to treat that with respect. And that's a very constructive feeling for crowds of people to get. I can tell you from experience uh, that a supernatural atmosphere is also a big key to freeing people from unhealthy fear. It can inspire healthy fear, but it can also free you from unhealthy fear. And this is why once you, a believer, realize that God is present and powerful, willing to help you now and to intervene in situations, then it, it frees you from worry. You know that God is on your side and that he's not just waiting in heaven, waiting to judge you, but he's willing to be active with you, that he's paying attention and that he's walking with you. It makes you feel a little better, a little safer, a little more secure, right? Or at least it should. And what we see in Ephesus is people gripped with healthy fear and people freed from unhealthy fear simultaneously. Uh, and we get this in the story. A bunch of people in Ephesus, it was a very very spiritual place. It was famous for its temples of pagan worship and its um, dark mystical practices and things like that. Well, great crowds of people, new believers, uh, we are led to believe, mostly brought their scrolls, their spiritual scrolls, their mystical scrolls. Uh, and these things were valuable, as was anything printed in those days, because printing was hard and scrolls were expensive. And they thought, well, these spiritual practices are evil. We repent. 
we repent. That's being, you know, that's healthy fear. We're going to repent because we're, we're freaked out by this power and this presence of God. But we're also going to sacrifice. Uh, we're going to sacrifice 50,000 drachma worth of scrolls, which was a tremendous amount of money. Um, that's like freedom from fear of material things, right? Of material wants. Like we're, we're sacrificing our wealth. We know that God is going to take care of us. Supernatural atmospheres are freeing atmospheres, is what I'm saying. And then the whole story ends with, with this phrase. In this way, the word of God spread widely and grew in power. In this way. Well, what way? Obviously, the supernatural way, right? Everything you read uh, about the church in Ephesus has a supernatural ed edge to it. And I learned something from that as well. If you want your life to count, uh, if you want to help spread the kingdom of God on earth, if you want to be purposeful, make some kind of effort towards supernatural living. Make an effort to move in the supernatural power that God makes readily available to you. This is a basic Christian practice. It characterizes everything in the early church. Amen? Amen. So far, you with me? Yeah. So that kind of begs a question for believers uh, who might be listening. Uh, what if you're not having supernatural experiences with God? You know, what, what if you're not experiencing normal miracles, let alone extraordinary miracles, right? What if you've never had a really vital, immediate encounter with the presence of the Holy Spirit that gives you power and has some sort of supernatural manifestation, like tongues or prophecy or healing or what have you? So what if you're not having supernatural experiences with God? What then? What would I say? And I guess I would say, if you're not having supernatural experiences with God, seek them. I mean, go for it. Don't get wrapped around the axle. Don't get stressed out. Just go for it. Because evidently, they're quite important. Evidently, they are a big deal. And we should try to seek them together as a body of Christ, as a community of believers. Uh, because they have always been important to spreading the faith around the world. So seek them. Specifically, seek the presence of God. You know? Seek the voice of God, the supernatural voice of God to direct you day by day. You know, that nudge in your heart or that vision in your head. And then, you know, seek the power of God in supernatural ministries like healing or deliverance. Participate in those things and see what happens. That's pretty much what seeking amounts to when we're talking about being a supernatural person. And we have lots of good places to seek experience with the supernatural presence and power of God at Blue Water Mission, go to any Ohana group, uh, even virtual Ohana groups, uh, and there will be prayer, there will be encouragement of God encounters. People will listen for the prophetic voice of God in real time. People will pray for the sick. That's just part of what we do because, well, because the scripture pretty much compels us 
uh, to do those things. So we try to make it a regular practice. You can go to something like the Holy Spirit retreat that we have at Blue Water from time to time, which is just designed to, to create opportunities and understanding the people to encounter the filling of the Holy Spirit for the first time, as we see the young believers do in the beginning of Acts chapter 19. So go to a Holy Spirit retreat. As soon as we have another Holy Spirit retreat, uh, stay tuned. Uh, we're not allowed to gather yet. Um, but I don't know. Shoot, maybe we'll do a virtual one. Is it possible to do a virtual Holy Spirit retreat? Sure. Yeah. I'm actually I'm actually scheduled to uh, pray for a group of believers in New York for the filling of the Holy Spirit this coming Wednesday over Zoom. I'll tell you how that goes. Uh, schedule a sozo session. Uh, which uh, we're still doing uh, at Blue Water. Uh, these days, you can find information about Sozo on our website. Sozo is a ministry that really empowers and encourages people to hear the supernatural voice of God for themselves. And that's always a treat. That's always a helpful thing. And there are any number of books uh, that you can get on the subject if you want to learn and get oriented. During quarantine, right, some of these manners of seeking uh, are harder than at normal times, but I think the quarantine, the shutdown is also a unique time for seeking. Probably you have more time in your day for prayer, for meditation, for cultivating the presence of God in your life. Probably, if you think about it, you have a little bit more access to the neighbors around you. Great, that will create more opportunities for you to pray for their healing or for supernatural breakthrough in their lives. In other words, we'll give you an opportunity to practice supernatural ministries. I would just add this, however you're seeking the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, seek power for purpose, not proof, which is to say, seek the power of God with a mind to give away everything you get as opposed to seeking power of God to make you feel better about yourself or to make you feel better about your relationship with God. Now, when you encounter the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, you will feel better uh, because the Holy Spirit is first and foremost a spirit of adoption and secondly, a spirit of empowerment. Um, you will always get the love of God with the power of God. They always go together. But seek that power in love, which means... Seek the power from God so that you can love other people with it. And that's a big key in the kingdom of God. Pursue power for love. And if you simply do that, I have found in my experience that it irons out a lot of the wrinkles that you will encounter in your pursuit of supernatural power. It uh, irons out a lot of the emotional wrinkles. It irons out a lot of the practical wrinkles. It gets you into places and experiences that you probably want. Um, trust me on that. Sometimes the pursuit of supernatural power is a process. Sometimes it takes some work. Sometimes it takes some time. That's fine. Life is work and time. You know, discipleship is a discipline. Um, it's supposed to take some investment for us. Um, so don't expect everything to be perfect overnight. It's not supposed to be. This is supposed to be growth and adventure for you. In your growth and adventure with God, just don't forget to make it supernatural. That's all I'm saying. Can I get an amen from the crowd? Amen. Even these days, and I have been doing supernatural ministry for, you know, 
well over 30 years and having supernatural experiences with God for dang near 50 years. Uh, but even today, with all of that, every once in a while, I catch myself in the middle of my day or my week, and I say, oh, oh wait a minute. I'm supposed to be a supernatural person. I'm not, I'm not really doing anything supernatural. I'm not actually doing anything mystical. I haven't gone there all day. Sometimes I say to myself, let me think, what can I do that's supernaturalizing right now? And the first thing you always think of is prayer. I'll just pray with God. But there's a way that you could skate through prayer and not be very supernaturally expectant uh, with it. So I have to remind myself sometimes, Jordan, you are a supernatural person. That's who you are. You have to find a way to stay there. Uh, like many of you during the quarantine, I have occasionally been watching a little too much Netflix. I just want to confess that uh, right now. One of the things I've been watching on Netflix, like any good sports fan, uh, was the recent documentary on the 1998 Chicago Bulls called The Last Dance. Huh? Oh, yeah. Come on. Uh, I lived in Chicago from 91 to 98, which was like the years of the Bulls dynasty, the Michael Jordan years when they won six championships. And some guy made a documentary of the last championship year, and you get lots of interviews with all of the former players and stuff like that. And, and it's cool for a fan uh, like me. And of course, a lot of that documentary is focused on Michael Jordan himself, the greatest basketball player uh, of all time. And there's one episode where they're spending some time trying to figure out what makes Michael tick, what made him so great, what allowed him to become so great as an athlete. And they were interviewing some reporter, uh, a guy who had done some bio biographical work uh, on Michael, who had followed him for years on his take. And he had an interesting take on, on Michael Jordan, uh, the athlete and the person. He said, the key to Michael Jordan's greatness was that he always lived in the moment. Most people have a past and most people have a future, but for Michael, it was always just about what he was doing at the moment. And then they cut away to Michael Jordan, who says, why would I worry about missing a shot right before I take one? You know, he, he just had a way of dispensing with anxiety and just being in kind of that, that Zen moment. And you cut back to the reporter who says, Michael Jordan is a mystic. And that was his explanation of, of Jordan's athletic prowess. He had a mystical ability to just sort of exist in the moment, to just sort of be what he was doing and, and nothing else. Um, all right, well, interesting comment if you're a sports fan, Michael Jordan snaps for the, for the Bulls. But it convicted me because I wonder if people would look at me and say, Jordan is a mystic. You know, he has a completely unique way of living. You know, he's. He's, he's just in the moment. He doesn't worry about the past. He doesn't worry about the future. He has no anxiety about anything. He's just love and power and purpose. I would want someone to say that about me, uh, even if it doesn't have to do with my athletic prowess, but maybe it has something to do with my life prowess or my, my ministry prowess. But I, I've just been telling myself, like, yeah, Jordan is a mystic. This Jordan. Uh, is a mystic as well. I remember a comment that the Lord made to me when we first started this process of bidding to buy this big property in Manoa that we're trying to buy as a church. If you've been following that story, it's still in limbo in the quarantine. 
about we will keep you updated. The property is, is way more money than we can possibly afford, but I was praying to the Lord about whether or not he would give it to us. And the Lord spoke really clearly to me this very strange line. This is what he said. He said, Jordan, uh, if I were to give you this property, you would have to become more of a mystic. It's exactly the words he said. Uh, and he didn't explain it. And to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what he meant by it. But what an interesting thing to say. It's like the key to getting this huge physical blessing and expansion is your willingness to be mystical. But isn't that something that you would expect the God of Acts to say to you? Like You have to be willing to just have your own set of rules, to live life in an entirely not natural, supernatural way. That's the key to practical advance for you and for the community. Well, I've been meditating on that when I remember, thinking about it and pursuing it. Um, and, uh, and I offer it up to you for your consideration as well. The supernatural life, the mystical life, whatever you want to call it, is a weird life. It has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's harder, sometimes it's easier. Uh, it takes work, and it takes sacrifice, and sometimes it takes repentance. And it's just, it's just not a normal way to live. And I think any of us who follow Jesus have to realize that this is not a normal way to live. We cannot allow ourselves to live normally, not like the other humans do. So I commit to thinking of myself as a supernatural person. I insist on being a supernatural person myself. And as a result, I've come up with all sorts of little ways to do that, all sorts of practical tricks of the trade. I've studied these stories and picked up uh, little insights to how to grow in power and what might mess up the flow of supernatural power and stuff like that. And I don't want to go into all of those little tricks and tips today, uh, but I want to encourage you to do the same sort of thing. I want to encourage you to insist on being a supernatural person and coming up with all of your own lessons, all of your own experiences because this is part of who we are, and it is the key to whatever happens next for us in the world. So just don't forget it. Just don't forget to be mystical. Just don't forget to be supernatural. In fact, prioritize it. Make it a top-tier sort of thing, because that's what it should be. That's why the Holy Spirit is hanging around. This is a big part of what he does for Christians. Being supernatural changes the way that I see everything. It has totally shaped my life. The supernatural voice of God has caused me to do any number of things that has shaped the life of me and my family. I know that you have opportunities to use supernatural ministry. I know that you have barriers to overcome in life for which you need supernatural power and mysticism for overcoming. I know that. So let's pray this together this morning. Let's just pray simply, Lord, be here, be powerful, and make us supernatural. Let's pray. Father God, uh, blue water wide, we pray as a community, Lord, be with us, be present. 
more even than we are present with you, be present with us. And be powerful in our lives. Be powerful in us and on us. Be insistent around us, Lord. Get our attention if our awareness strays from the presence of the Holy Spirit in the here and now. We give you permission to butt in, to remind us, to draw us toward repentance, to create a supernatural atmosphere in which there is healthy fear and a freedom from unhealthy fear. We want to survive in that sort of atmosphere, Lord, and make us supernatural people. I pray um, that uh, you would tune us to the supernatural voice of the Holy Spirit and that you would inspire us to take opportunities for supernatural ministry, for prophesying, for praying in tongues, for healing our neighbors, uh, for uh, telling off a demon from time to time as that becomes necessary. Make us full Christians. Make us Christians as the Christian in the book of Acts were Christians. Ministers without limits who are able to do what needs to be done. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the work of the cross, for drawing us to you, for making things right. And now, Lord, we just humbly pray uh, that you would give us your presence and make things powerful. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. Hey there, Blue Water friends. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Sunday service. If you were inspired and maybe would like some prayer, maybe to live a more powerful life with Jesus, please email julie at bluewatermission.org. Include your name and your phone number and let somebody from our prayer team pray with you between 10.30 and 11 today. You and I, we are God's children. He loves us so much. And he hasn't left us as orphans on this earth. No, he's given us his Holy Spirit to be with us, to reveal Jesus to us, and to pour out his love in powerful ways through us. So please receive this blessing. In the name of Jesus, I bless you to receive more of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with him, to be baptized with his presence. And Lord, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your companionship. I pray that you would fill each one watching to overflowing in a fresh, powerful way to speak to them, to become manifest in their lives in surprising and wonderful ways and to bring your kingdom through each one of us where we are. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And thank you again, each of you, for joining with us. Have an awesome rest of your day, and we really hope to see you soon.